Welcome everyone to the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Let's go! You're listening to episode 186, and today we have Michael Woodward. Michael is the founder and CEO of JumbleThink. Prior to starting JumbleThink, Mike and his team at Woodward Design Group built over 400 websites and web applications for clients ranging from small biz, small local businesses to Fortune 100 corporations. I don't think people understand how difficult 400 websites <laughs> is. That's yeah. insane. So kudos to you, man. Uh, he has also consulted with hundreds of other businesses through the Small Business Development Council in Butte County, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Butte County. Yeah. Uh, and uh, along with teaching courses on web design, development, and marketing strategies, uh, he, there's even more to this man than just business. Um, he's married. He has yeah. two beautiful children. Yeah. And he also uh, has passions for New York City. Include especially Manhattan, and he likes to play guitar, running, reading, and dreaming big. Michael, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So before we get into the hard, heavy-hitting questions about <laughs> you know business, life, and all that stuff in between, uh, we have to talk a little bit more about what's most important, and that's food. Yes. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Yeah. Where are you going to eat? And what are you going to order to make your day complete? Can I pick two? Is that okay? This is your best day, man. You can okay. you can eat. You can go from breakfast to dessert if you really <laughs> wanted to, man. This is your special day. Okay, so the first place is if I'm like in New York or San Francisco, there is this chain. They only have a couple of restaurants. It's called Houston's or Hillstone. Uh, they have a couple of different names. They have a Hawaiian grilled ribeye steak over firewood uh, with a giant baked potato and it is like just a killer steak. That's awesome. So that would be choice number one. And then choice number two, if I'm in north of San Francisco, north of Napa, there's a place called Sea Ranch. Our good friend, Rebecca Stewart, who's a crazy good chef, uh, she heads up uh, the Sea Ranch Lodge restaurant and uh, she cooks some of the, the meanest duck you'll ever have. Mm. It's just killer awesome. My wife loves her farmer's market lasagna. So It'd be a toss-up for me between those two places. Not a bad choice. Uh, anytime <laughs> it includes duck, uh, yeah. it's a win-win for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good stuff. So the first real question of the podcast is, tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business, and how did you overcome those obstacles? Right. So when we started Woodward Design Group, which uh, is now JumbleThink, uh, we... Uh, you know, started out as just me. And then I grew my team. We had 12 people on our team and we had landed a massive, massive client. And we were one of those uh, agencies where we would solve complex problems that no one really knew the answers to. So often um, we were troubleshooting. We're trying to figure out how to solve customer issues. And for us, the issue came along when uh, we kind of got the the double whammy, if you will. And that was at first we were uh, beginning to uh, finish out a contract that uh, was with our largest client at the time. Uh, 
doing really cool stuff and building out some encryption tools, building out customer portals, all kinds of cool stuff. That project was coming to a close. They were bringing it in-house as they were growing their team. And so we knew that was coming to a close. And then we had landed a couple of really cool projects with uh, with the California State University system and also with um, uh, with some agriculture commodity tracking uh, software we were building. And as through a series of events, uh, we finished up the, the first uh, project with the college. And then the second project with the agriculture uh, company, uh, we uh, ended up the, the some stuff happened internally at that company. They didn't pay us like 60 grand. Hmm. And so here I have a team. I'm trying to figure out how do you sustain a business when now you have to make up a 60 grand hole. Yeah. And so that was really hard. I, I didn't know how to solve the problems. I didn't know how to talk to our team about it. I didn't know how to overcome those obstacles of we're really screwed here as a company, <laughs> you know, uh, 60 grand. I mean, it's, we were doing really well, but that's still a nut that's hard to crack. Yeah. And so had to lay off people, had to, you know, it, it hurt some friendships that were with some people that worked on the team uh, and put us financially in a really tough situation. And so it's been a couple years that happened back in 2000. Uh, 13, 14, I want to say. And it took several years of digging through that to really set up a foundation where we're feeling really healthy and strong again. Hmm. Now, I always, I've had a very similar experience myself where having to go through that trial of firing, hiring, et cetera. Yeah. Um, what did you learn from that experience of that, <laughs> that process? Because you said you lost you know, potentially damaged relationships. Yeah. And that's a hard pill to swallow. What did you learn about yourself during that process? I think uh, when you are a leader and you don't know what to do, sometimes you retreat into yourself. And so you're trying to think through the process of how do I solve this? Or how, what do I do next? How can I scramble or hustle to get another client to fill this role? Or whatever that is. And in that uh, I think one of the biggest failures that I had was uh, not managing our team well and mostly on my end, communicating with them. So I would say communicate early what's going on. Let them know what's happening. Let them understand. And and you, you, if you can be honest and transparent with that as you process through it and you do everything on your end that you can, if the friendship still falls apart, at least you can come back to I feel like I did the best I could through the situation, communicated well, honored them in that situation and really tried to, uh, and it sounds kind of weird, but love them well through a rough situation because our issue is now going to impact them. How mm -hmm. are they paying their bills? How are they uh, providing for their family? Because now things have gotten tight. Yeah. So communicating early was, I think, one of the biggest things that I would do differently uh, I was communicating, but not at the level I should have been. Yeah, no, it's a uh, point well taken. It's definitely a good learning experience, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Now, do you feel as if now when it comes to communication, do you feel like you're over communicating now? Well, we we made a pivot at that point. We were in the West Coast. We were in Northern California in a town called Chico. And uh, a couple years ago, we moved to the East Coast to be closer to family. We had two girls and our closest family was, uh, you know, 10 hours away. 
and uh, driving or if we're flying, you know, six hours away. So we moved to the East Coast. And in that transition, we moved from having a lot of employees to having and working with a lot of contractors. And a lot of those contractors are people we have ongoing relationships with. And so the dynamic's significantly different uh, than if they're employees. You still need to communicate. You need to uh, make sure that you're doing everything that you can on your end. But the dynamic is different than when they're an employee and you're seeing them in the office or you're talking with them on Skype every day and they're you know wondering what's going on. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's interesting. And, and so the, the number that always pops up in my head because um, I'd say in our past business, uh, we were around that number of 400 websites and, and web yeah. applications and things. That's a huge number. Right. Um, how were you able to obtain 400 websites throughout the, the course of the, uh, of the business? Yeah. You know, I was listening to uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Her- Har- Harbinger. Harbinger. Yeah. I never, uh, I was listening to that episode earlier today uh, and it's such a killer episode that you had with him. And one of the things he talked about was networking. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is such a true story for us. Uh, when we started out, it was just a small local business. And so I uh, joined a networking group. In my case, it was BNI. There's tons out there. Latip, there's local ones. Joined one of those and just began networking and building relationships with other small business owners. And from there, I uh, you know, just built relationships with people who knew people, served them well, and then it just kind of snowballed. We didn't do a lot of marketing. We didn't do a lot of advertising because we were uh, – it was all word of mouth. It was building those relationships. And then our largest clients have always come through friendship. People that weren't even necessarily necessarily clients, but just good friends. And they were like, hey, you know, I have this person that needs what you do. Can I connect you? Or, hey, my company needs you. Uh, can you work with us? And, and so it was never even looking for those jobs in those cases, the largest projects. It was just uh, networking. And so now on the East Coast, uh, I network a little bit differently. I don't do a networking group because I'm thinking globally instead of just locally uh, because of the kind of clients we want to reach. So I network within the WeWork group uh, offices that we're in uh, with people there. I WeWork, uh, or I network online with the online community at WeWork, uh, network with people, um, just old friends by calling them up and saying, hey, let's chat for a while and that kind of thing. So networking for me has been the staying power of how we grew our business. Yeah, it's awesome. Very, very true. A lot of people neglect it. Networking is yeah. the absolute, should be the absolute cornerstone to you know, how, you're, how you're growing your business. So there has to be a level of expertise as well. And I'm curious right. because for us, um, I'm just going to speak candidly, referrals are extremely, when we were an agency, I think now it's a little yeah. bit different with Penji. But yeah. When we were doing, uh, you know, again, very similar style to what you do, it was hard to find a referral. Have right. you found it that way uh, for you? And um, what were what are some tips that you would recommend to obtain that referral? Yeah, referrals are harder. Um, you know, if it's a client, it's easier to ask and say, "Hey, if you're happy with what we've done for you, you have business acquaintances, you have family members, you have friends that are going to need what we need." When that comes up, just think of us and make sure that they say, hey, I've got this project, refer us. And so uh, when you're in an active networking group like BNI or Latip, it's a lot lot easier because that's what the group's all about. And if you're in a really strong and good group, which not all of them are, uh, but if you're in a good and strong group, those referrals come a lot easier as you build that reputation and relationship. Um, But 
mostly now I'm just reaching out to people we want to work with, uh, building relationships for that day that they do need help and just looking for the long game, not looking for like, Hey, I want to convert you today to be working with us. Just knowing, uh, a great example is somebody reached out to me on Facebook and said, Hey, I have some questions about GarageBand because we do podcasting, uh, the JumbleThink podcast. And, and, uh, I said, Hey, I'll throw some video tutorials for you together. And so I'm working on those right now. Something we're not going to get paid for. It's not like we're going to make a lot of money on that ever. Um, but what it does is it starts to build relationships with that person to say, hey, we, we've got your back. And when they need someone, they're going to be thinking about us. But then other people that get to see that on YouTube or Vimeo or wherever they're watching it, they're also going to see value in that and say, hey, if these guys are giving this away for free, if they're and I'm not a big fan of giveaway a lot for free. If I'm working with you, you're paying me. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just serving you, like in this case, just helping you then I'm not looking for monetizing that in any way. I'm just Mm -hmm. looking to help somebody. So, and obviously I, I was, uh, you have a podcast, you mentioned it. I was gracious enough to be uh, a guest on that show. Yeah. Killer. Killer guest. I can't wait for that to go live. So me too. Yeah. I think, I think (laughs) it was, I think the the questions that you asked were, were really good. And I think, um, you know, there's always times where you answer questions and you feel like you could have done better and, you know, this, that, and the other. <laughs> um, but I just think the, the, the connection that we had was really, re- was really special. And yeah. I was curious to hear, uh, from you, what has podcasting been able to do for you? Um, how has it been able to change your business? Yeah, I think for us, we're in a pivot of what our business does, uh, and how we do it. We still do web, but we're looking at telling the story. And so what podcasting has allowed me to do is to ask a lot of people great questions, uh, pick their brain, learn from them, and really start understanding crafting a narrative, crafting a story that's engaging. And so podcasting for us has done that a lot. It's also... Uh, just being honest, we've gotten a lot of free stuff from it. Uh, <laughs> people send us books all the time and they're really good books or, uh, we've gotten chocolate sent to us. We've gotten other things sent to us. And nice. so that's always fun. That's uh, awesome. it's not, free stuff you know, is cool, man. Yeah. It's not something we ask for. But the other thing is, is that's positioning us beyond the web space as an expert in, uh, innovation and in strategy and consulting. And that's part of what we've done. It's the part we love with web. And it's usually the part that a lot of agencies forget. They just go, oh, we're going to build you a website. Here you go. It's pretty. It's awesome. And we love that strategy that how do we turn this into something more, something that it could be an asset for you beyond just a website. So it's setting us up as that influencer or expert in that space. Very powerful. Very, very powerful uh, advice. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like hindsight is always in 2020. (laughs) But for us... Um, when we were an agency, we never neglect, we, we always neglected what you just said and spending that additional time, even if it's five extra seconds, sending that email goes yeah. a very, very long way. And then yeah. you get free stuff like candy out of it, uh, potentially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my God, I'd like to change, uh, shake the conversation up just a little bit. Yeah. And before we do, I just have to ask everybody that's watching, uh, head over to, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast directly on YouTube. And if you're watching and listening on the website, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at tbeshow.com. Um, I went ahead and I did some creepy research and I found some of the best Instagram mess- uh, pictures that you've taken. 
throughout okay. the course of your Instagram journey. And I yeah. just have some explaining to do. Now, it is August 1st when we're right. recording this. Right. And you took a picture, I think it was like two, three days ago. Yeah. And they're already promoting <laughs> Halloween candy. Right. What's your favorite candy? Do you have a sweet, sweet tooth at heart? I do. I love chocolate way too much. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like, I grew up right outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So there's nothing like just a classic That's in your standard veins, Hershey man. bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going to Chocolate World, going to Hershey Park, going and riding the rides. And yeah, you got to go with the standard old fashioned, just milk chocolate chocolate bar. There you go. <laughs> the next picture is just uh, a whole bunch of books. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, four or five books. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it says that like, this is what I'm reading right now. Not a bad book in the bunch. Are you pumping out like five books a week, a month? Like, what is that? What is that like? Well, it depends. Uh, there are seasons where I'm doing, uh, a couple books a uh, week or, uh, for a month on a slower month. Uh, right now it's been super busy with the podcast, with the web agency. And so I've been reading about one book a month. So. That's awesome. Uh, any any I, book I just you're reading around or my life. any favorite yeah. any favorite books that you want to recommend to people? I hate yeah. that question about like favorite books, but like yeah. you know, we'd love to. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So uh, there are tons of great books out there. The book I always recommend, and not everyone loves it, and that's okay. It's called the Dream Giver. Uh, the Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. It's allegorical. It's about this guy who is an ordinary who becomes a somebody, who's a nobody that becomes a somebody. And in that journey, it talks – it's basically based on Joseph Campbell's uh, uh, hero's journey. And so it talks about the obstacles of dreaming and taking that risk and stepping out and the things you're going to face on that journey of dreaming big. So I love it because I'm all about dreams and big ideas and making those a reality. So. Very cool. Awesome. I also know that you're a little bit of a chef. Ah, uh, yeah, I do cook. Uh, you, you seem like a damn good cook at that. You're cooking crepes, <laughs> strawberry crepes for Fourth of July. Yeah. What's your What's your go-to dish to cook? If I need something that's easy, uh, I'll do jerk chicken in a crock pot. I don't like cooking in a crock pot, but I'll do that. If I'm doing something more adventurous, I'll probably do uh, – I have a four-cheese mac and cheese. It's like a sharp cheddar mac and cheese. So and then corn apple and then bake it inside of an apple. People don't understand that, but the flavors, the sweet and the savory really go together. Interesting. So that one and then uh, I do a duck that is in a – uh, um, a black cherry, a spicy black cherry sauce, which is pretty mm. killer. So. You, you know that you're an accomplished or at least a damn good chef when <laughs> you're accompanying meats with uh, sauces. I think the true the showmanship of a chef is in the sauce and less about, yeah. you know, anybody can cook a steak, right? I yeah. mean, granted, yeah. like you can cook it better than others, but the sauce, the sauces yeah. and the, the accompaniments behind everything is where you know, the, the balance, the knowledge yeah. of food really comes to play. So I respect yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you're a car guy. I am. I love cars. Yeah. I, I, I know nothing about cars. Um, if something were to happen, I would be screwed. Uh, and so my question to you about <laughs> cars is just, you know, I've seen a lot of pictures of classic cars. Right. Um, what is it about just the car, the car world that yeah. just really, that really gets you excited? Yeah. Now I don't know how to fix a car. I can change the oil, rotate the tires, Dude, I maybe can't change even do the that. brakes. I can't so, even do that. 
but when it comes to classic cars, uh, there's something lacking in the current design. There are well-designed cars now, but they're so pretty much vanilla across the board. A Ford uh, looks like, you know, a Ford sedan looks like a uh, Toyota BMW 3 Series looks like uh, pretty much like a Hyundai or anything like that. So it's kind of sad. Uh, classic cars are well designed. They they understood the aesthetic of it. So Porsche 356, Porsche 356, or an early 911. Just the the understanding of putting that together. Or you look at the old Ferraris, uh, in uh, Ferrari uh, GT 250. You know, it's just like killer design. Mm-hmm. And so the design and the engineering and how they put it together and uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Good stuff. My next question. I'm just gonna throw it directly at you. Uh, yeah. with no context whatsoever, but I just think it's something that we should always be thinking about. What is your dream? I think right now our biggest dream, my biggest dream is to really, um, I get most excited about helping people see and attain their dreams. A lot of people see and say, oh, you know, I have this dream one day and I, I hate the one day thing. Mm-hmm. It just drives me nuts. And so sitting down with someone and just chatting through the dream and saying, well, how can we make this a reality? Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things. And so for me, that's a big part of the dream. Uh, another big dream that I have right now would be to, we live on a massive farm in central Pennsylvania. Uh, we don't farm it, but we live here. And then we have an office in Manhattan. I'd love to get a place in Soho mm-hmm. uh, and be able to split our time between the two. Uh, stinking expensive, but mm-hmm. that would be a dream that I have. That's so. awesome, man. Well, to those that are listening right now, uh, any way that we could help that uh, that dream come true, um, hopefully the people uh, that are listening, including myself, can help you with that. My final question is the blind entrepreneur is defined as somebody who is temporarily lost or blind in business. To those people, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Community. You've got to be in community. You need other people. You can't do it on your own. You need to find mentors, coaches, uh, peers, people that you can be in masterminds with or just sit down over coffee and say, okay, here's what I'm going through and this is what I need help with. And you know, don't try to figure it out on your own. Get that help. So community. Number two, authenticity. I think this is the biggest BS thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to uh, NPR the other day and they were talking about this guy in the sports sphere who's just blowing it up. And uh, they started off by talking about his persona and how he's created and crafted this persona and uh, how cool he is and blah, blah, blah. And then they talk about his authenticity. I'm like, you can't ha- live in an, a place of persona where that's what people see and that's not really who you are and be authentic. That's like a load of crap there. So authenticity means just be you and stop like trying to measure up to anyone else. Be yourself. Uh, own your your failures. Failures are beautiful. Uh, get over your shame and just move on. And then the third thing is play for the long game. Uh, everyone's talking about hustle. Hustle is another big lie. I think we need to work hard. I think we need to have our eyes open. But we also need to be working in such a way that we're thinking about how do we make this a life story, not a, uh, an instantaneous overnight success that ends up in failure and flames two years or three years down the road. What is the long game? How are you going to play? And stop measuring today's situation for, for where you could be in five years um, because we all want to be successful now. 
but uh, no one's telling the stories. Yep. Very few are telling the stories of what it really takes. And so uh, community, authenticity, and play for the long game. Love that last piece of advice. So true. Uh, and I hope people that are listening to that take it to heart and, and really apply it to their business because um, you're spot on. you, you got to play the long game. Michael, thank you so much for your time uh, this morning. Really appreciate you being able to talk to us about uh, and giving advice. Um, if if we could, uh, yeah. just give us a 30-second pitch. What? Uh, how can people find more about you? How can they learn more about your journey? How can they potentially become a customer of yours? Yeah. So uh, find us at jumblethink.com um, and check out the podcast. I think that's one of the biggest things. We want more people listening to the podcast. Um, and, uh, and we want to connect with dreamers, big idea people. So if you have a big idea or dream and you need some help through that process of just like brainstorming and thinking it through, we'd love to help you with that. And we're also really focusing on Instagram to tell more of that story. So check us out on Instagram too. Very cool. Well, to those of you that are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to tbeshow.com for more interviews just like the one you heard today. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.